Welcome to Waves of Change Podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Waves of Change Podcast. So happy that you're with us. I am so happy to be launching season three with an amazing guest. Thank you all for your patience during our hiatus. And I'm so excited to be back doing what I love, bringing inspiring stories about people who are changing the world straight to you. So I'm very excited to kick off season three with an amazing organization. Today I'm talking to Karen Taylor, who's the founder and executive director of Right Girl. Right Girl is doing some amazing work. They've been around for 23 years um, in the Los Angeles area. And as you hear um, Karen and I speak, you'll hear about how they are now expanding, not only nationally, but internationally, which is very exciting. Um, Some of the things that I wanted to point out from my conversation with Karen is how Right Girl is not only inspiring teenage girls to share their story. You'll hear Karen talk about how teenage girls don't get permission to share stories normally and Right Girl really gives them an opportunity to use the power of storytelling, to use the power of sharing their own stories and give them permission to do so. I also love hearing Karen speak about how They train their mentors to give positive feedback um, the first, you know, handful of times that they're with their um, student. Um, She describes it as putting gas in their tank. A lot of times, um, you know, as teenagers, we need someone there to, to lift us up and to encourage us. And I love that they find the positive um, in the girls writing to really lift them up and encourage them and, and keep them going. I also love that while Write Girl is obviously an organization that focuses on writing, they're also inspiring these girls to be leaders. And you'll hear um, Karen and I speak about some of the success stories from their alum who have gone on to um, be leaders who are like who are changing the world who now have um, incredible professions and who are really um, making a change in the world so I love that they are inspiring these girls to use their voice and um, and be leaders and one thing I wanted to mention that we didn't discuss during our interview but right girl has their first um, published book coming out August 1st which will so it will be out by the time that you listen to this podcast and it's called what's behind the blue door and it is um, a journal with prompts so I will make sure to link it so that you can find it and of course look at um, our social media channels and we'll be um, sharing it there as well so I will let you get to it here is my interview with Karen Taylor from Right Girl So today we have Karen Taylor, who is the founder and executive director of Right Girl. 
Write Girl is a Los Angeles-based creative writing and mentoring organization that spotlights the power of a girl and her pen. Karen, thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah. I was hoping we could kick off just by having you tell us the origin story of how Write Girl came to be. Yes, I it's, you know, I kind of tell the story a little differently because there's sort of a lot of things that contributed to making it all come together. And I'm sure, you know, it wasn't one thing, but there were a few key things I think that happened for me. I, I was working first as a singer songwriter, and then I didn't want to be in the music business anymore. And I was in sales and advertising and public relations. And then I moved to Los Angeles and was laid off my dot-com internet advertising job and it was three months after 9-11. And in hindsight, mm. no, that wasn't an accident. I wanted to do something more meaningful, something that um, was really contributing to the betterment of my community. And I gathered a few of my writer friends uh, in a conference room at a community center, and we launched Write Girl. And some of those people are still involved to this day, 23 years later, which is Amazing. really amazing. I know it's totally amazing. So I think five out of the 13 are still active volunteers with Right Girl. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's such a wonderful story too of like um, when things are happening to you and you kind of feel like everything's falling apart that, you know, it might be the perfect time to, you know, start something on your own and yes. um, you never know what lies ahead. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think it's sort of, like, sort of, you know, I had to do a big trust leap you know, right. Yeah. It's kind of just leap into the void, not knowing whether this was going to succeed or whether we could, you know, raise enough funds or if I could get enough volunteers or coordinate with enough partners or teens, like all of it was a big unknown, but I did know that I had a great passion for writing. And I had some women writer friends who were also very passionate writers looking for ways to be able to contribute so uh, sort of things just kind of came together in that way. And I think there was a real need for, right. you know, the for an organization like this that didn't exist. Yeah, America. that's actually what I wanted to dive into next is if um, you could dive into the need and like the need that you see um, for for Right Girl. Yeah, it's, it's funny because the other thing that contributed to me starting Right Girl is sort of my passion for wanting more women to be leaders all around it's in politics, in nonprofits, in society and communities. And, um, you know, the there's a lot of teen girls that don't feel like their voice is important, you know, and I think totally. that happened too, where, you know, you're considered undeveloped, you're a woman. Um, you still have a ways to go to become a mature adult. And I think a lot of times the world treats teen girls, especially as being largely invisible or annoying. Mm. And I really wanted to change that. It's a time in your life as a young woman where you are developing your views of the world, your views of yourself. And, you know, it's a powerful, energetic time to really be able to start cultivating those the confidence that you need to bring your voice forward. So I, I found myself still, and to this day, 23 years later, still very compelled to help teen girls know that their voice is important, that they can, um, they can have valuable ideas to uh, contribute and that they shouldn't just be pushed aside or silenced or made to feel like they're not important and they don't matter. So it's, it, it feels like the need is just as strong now as it was then. And I, I, I'm kind of surprised at that. I, I thought in a way we would do right girl for a few years and then we wouldn't need it anymore. 
know, like there would be women leaders and that women's liberation movement would, you know, continue to grow and infiltrate and make, you know, young women feel like they were um, on equals with men. And that has not happened and it still is not happening. And there's a lot more work that we all need to do. Equity is, we are far from equity for women in the world now. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a sad, sad state of affairs that we judge people on base of race and gender and, and don't treat each other as the unique, powerful individual human beings that we all are. hundred <laughs> percent. Beautifully said. I imagine too, for the teenage girls, I mean, being a teenager is just a, such a hard time and to have the power of a pen and kind of put your thoughts to paper must be very cathartic for, for the girls in your program. Yes. I think, um, you know, a, a lot of times for all of us, our verbal skills are ahead of our writing skills, but writing can help us um, more deeply process things that we're thinking and feeling and kind of help us come to an understanding about things that happen to us, things that we're feeling, things that we are wondering about. So we, um, we just held a workshop with some girls in Cameroon this morning, and it was really exciting to hear them write some stories about being in the kitchen and we didn't give them mm. much, you know, we just sort of write about a. We don't ever use superlatives like the most or the best or the favorite. We just try to open the door, like write about a moment in the kitchen. And many of them wrote about, you know, their first cooking experience, the time that they burned the kitchen down, you know, <laughs> all kinds of uh, flames and pots and um, the time they added food coloring to pasta because they thought it would be fun and it tasted horrible. So, <laughs> just had these wonderful, hilarious, meaningful, moving stories to tell um, that um, I think we all do, but we mm -hmm. don't get permission to do so. I think they shared with us, which I think happens here in America, that you have to write to the test. You've got to be graded. 100%. And then it sort of shuts the young people down from really being able to share their genuine, true stories instead of coming at it the other way around, you know, like we sort of have this approach of the storytelling comes first and then the technique comes later. So tell mm -hmm. us a story and then we'll tell you how to build in metaphor, alliteration, story arc, characters, dialogue, like all of that will come because now you have a kernel of a story you really want to tell. Whereas I think a lot of education comes at it the other way. They're trying to teach structure, grammar, you know, literature, all that stuff and just sort of dismissing young people's true personal stories. And um, that's what we're all about. I love that. Um, I was hoping that you could help describe how the right girl mentorships uh, work. Yes. So uh, we right now have about 120 mentors working with teens one-on-one, -on -one, some in person and some online. Uh, they meet every week for about an hour and we kind of guide the mentor through training to help them develop, you know, activities on the fly that will work for this teen. So we give them a whole bunch of things to start from, but then we, our hope is that the mentors are customizing those activities for what that teen is really into. They might right. want to do poetry or screenwriting or fiction or journalism, and of course, stretching them beyond the genres that they really love as well. But um, those relationships are sometimes three, four, five years long. And that's yeah. when 
you really get the magic of right girl coming through because of the trust that gets built and the relationships that get built over the time over time where the teen is now more willing to be open about sharing things about asking questions about taking more and more kind of feedback that might help them grow we try to start with only positive feedback and that's something that a lot of people have a lot of challenges with because teachers especially want to say well how are you doing the education part if you're just giving them positive feedback <laughs> the thing is that we just have to put gas in their tank we have to mm -hmm. build their confidence up to the point where they're not afraid to write because we all have to write some boring dull rather bad stuff before we get to the good stuff but you don't need somebody putting you down for that right at the beginning when you're just trying to get going so totally point out the positive things, even if it's just little, you know, we did some six word stories today with some teens and, you know, we helped guide them through how to write better six word stories that had details and action and emotion in it. And um, they all really appreciated that we just sort of gave them a lot of support and confidence for anything they wrote. And that is what makes you want to write more is that somebody told you you your writing was worth listening to you know yeah no that makes sense if you're met with critique right away then you might be hesitant to try again so absolutely it shuts you down right away your voice inside your head goes yeah that's true I'm not a good writer I don't know what I'm doing I sh clearly shouldn't be doing this because I'm not good at it and that voice is very very powerful yeah know? it can overwhelm anybody at any stage of their writing career so you know I think right girl is really about fighting that voice back, pushing it back to the, to the real recesses of the brain so that the front voice can say, oh, I can do this. Yes, I have good ideas. Oh, people liked what I wrote, you know, and let those be the dominant voices in your head. Yeah, I love that. Um, can you explain how the students are selected? Do they find you and come to you or is there a process for that? So we still do what we started doing 23 years ago. We sort of build relationships with teachers, counselors, therapists, and ask them to help identify teens that would really benefit the most from the program. So we sort of have a, a whole network of people that help us recruit teens, but then we have an open door policy, an all-inclusive kind of feeling where teens are welcome to join. We may not be able to get them a mentor right away, but they can join in the group workshops and we really try not to select teens, but just have an open door to let them participate at, at any grade level from eighth grade to 12th grade and any writing level. And I think that inclusive feeling is, is really helpful so that, um, you know, we're not just selecting teens either that are strong writers or that really want to do this or that are really right. good at it already or whatever, you know, that having a mix of, of teens from different backgrounds, different writing levels, different experiences is really helpful, especially, you know, most of our teens are still from the Los Angeles, California region. And, you know, this tends to be a city where people are, they keep to their own neighborhoods. They, they are generally sort of separated out in some ways into categories. And this is a rare community where teens come together from very different backgrounds to all be part of this same program. We're thrilled to see that. That's amazing. Um, and I saw you have some pretty impressive mentors as well. Um, mm -hmm. I know it's like Liz Merriweather who created New Girl and um, some impressive songwriters. How mm -hmm. did you um, find those people to be mentors? You know, sometimes it's through some, a volunteer of ours might know someone, 
Um, and we use, use their connection to build a relationship, but we've done a lot of cold outreach over the years to just oh, say, amazing. You know, wouldn't Gina Prince Bywood be a great guest to have, you know, screenwriter, um, you know, let's just see if we could get Beverly White, you know, she's been an amazing anchor on NBC television, you know, can we get her to come to the journalism workshop and just done some cold outreach and introduced ourselves and said, could you come and just share some of your wisdom and talk to our teens for a few minutes and um, I think a lot of times women, especially either in the mid-career or even at the peak of their career, are eager to share their knowledge and skills with young women. So um, we're always looking for more guests from different kinds of um, artistic backgrounds and um, experiences to come and be part of it. Yeah. That's so amazing for the students too, because if they're interested in like screenwriting or songwriting and then to be able to have FaceTime with a professional who's like at the, as you said, the peak of their career. I mean, that's, you know, so valuable. So it's pretty yeah, cool. It is. It's really great. We hope to do more of that. It's, it's always really electric and exciting. And now that we're on, you know, line for the most part, we're doing most of our workshops online now. Um, it makes it even more accessible for some of our, um, you know, acclaimed authors and writers to join us because there's not that travel and parking, right. <laughs> all the logistics that come with making appearances. So right. Getting anywhere in LA is difficult. <laughs> oh my gosh, really difficult. It's, it, it continues to be one of the greatest challenges that we face to building community in Los Angeles, I think. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, and you just mentioned your workshops. Can you describe, um, you know, how those work in the different focus areas of the workshops? Yes, we try to do a different genre every month. So we sort of traditionally have held one big workshop every month um, on a different genre. And it goes from songwriting to poetry, to screenwriting, fiction, um, journalism, nonfiction, memoir. And so that over the course of one year, a teen has had the experience of writing in all those different genres. It's so powerful because they get a chance to, see, oh, I really loved poetry, but wow, screenwriting is so much fun or journalism is really where I feel like my heart is, you know, so they kind of have some discoveries along the way. And then we have the challenge of trying to make those workshops fresh every single year because we have teens that are here for four or five years. So we cannot do the same songwriting <laughs> twice or the same screenwriting workshop. So that's our challenge, which is really kind of wonderful because it keeps it fresh for us too as staff. We're never repeating a workshop twice. Then we added in some Wednesday afternoon sessions. We call them writing Wednesdays and they're a little shorter. And we sometimes do different genres, even within that one hour time span. But um, they've been really wonderful too, in kind of offering a little bit more of a shorter, quicker um, writing workshop format. But we do our best to keep them interactive where there's lots of activities in the chat. There's special guests, there's video segments. Um, sometimes we send them on a scavenger hunt in their home to go get something and bring it back to the screen. Um, we do a lot of different kinds of things, sending to a website to find a word or to go look at some colors or images. And, you know, so we're kind of constantly making it a, a fun adventure experience, even online, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's hard to do, I think, but wonderful when it's done well, because we've all been to those webinars where it's a talking head and you just can't even listen after 20 minutes, you know, you just want to go, um, you know, take a walk or whatever. But uh, I think our teens have told us that they really get um, 
energized and really feel like it goes really quickly, that they get a lot of different kinds of experiences and different things to write about and different ways to approach their creativity. Okay, cool. I'm sure too, keeping the attention span of a teen is uh, much harder than even an adult. So (laughs) it's super hard. We have such a detailed script right down to the minute that we use. I mean, we make every effort to make it not feel like a script, like it's very conversational, but, you know, between the spotlighting and the, um, the scripting and the the video segments and the special guests, everything is timed right down to the minute. And I think that really (laughs) helps us make it a production as opposed to a more casual conversation or something where we would lose their attention. Right. Yeah, totally. It's very intentional. Yes. Um, And I know you also have a bold ink writers program. Can you describe that? Yes, we've done some programs for boys and co-ed groups and we use the name bold ink writers so that the boys and um, other gender expansive youth don't feel like they're being pigeonholed into right girls. So we use that name frequently for other kinds of programs that we do. We have some boys working with a male mentor, a male writing mentor. And then we do some uh, boys groups working with teen boys who are incarcerated and other groups of boys and girls in different settings. So we don't do as much programming for boys and co-ed youth as we do for girls, but you know, boys need this too. Teen boys also struggle with confidence, with being able to really um, understand the development of their own creativity and how that factors into who they are. And, and, you know, we're delighted to be able to expand programming to include boys and co-ed groups when we can. Yeah. Well, I saw that Amanda Gorman went through your program. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that of, you know, how she was when she's in the program and, uh, you know, your, your feelings when she was speaking at inauguration. I think she's probably like the most famous poet in the U.S. right now. So it must be pretty exciting. It's really exciting. We're so thrilled to see her meteoric rise and, and see how she's using her voice to really impact so many people around the world. You know, she was always a really energetic young woman in the Right Girl program. And um, we saw her grow and develop as a poet, as a as a person, develop her confidence, uh, her self-assuredness and her focus on really wanting to write things that impact others. So we saw a lot of growth in her over the years. It was wonderful to be there on that journey with her and just amazing to watch her at the inauguration. We did a watch party. I don't think dry eye on this. (laughs) a screen and um you know to see the the world's reaction to her and how we all needed that moment of having something to you know gather around she became like the world's campfire for for that time where we kind of came together around her passion and her hopefulness that she shared in that poem so we've continued to work with her and have her come back to speak to our teens and alums so we love having her back anytime we can. I also love mentioning that she does have a twin sister, Gabrielle Gorman, who is an mm. up and coming documentary filmmaker. Oh, cool. And she also has been through the Right Girl program. And I'm excited to see what Gabrielle is going to be doing in the years ahead as well, because she's another very passionate, wonderful, creative writer and um, producer. I love that she comes back to speak. I mean, that must be so impactful for the students to see someone who's gone through the program and is so successful now. Um, yes. 
Yes, it is. It's really powerful for our teens to hear from Amanda. And a lot of our other alums come back to share their experiences in college and in their careers. We have lawyers, doctors, a nuclear non-proliferation expert, lovely Umayam, who is really making her voice heard in the world, helping um, bridge nuclear security and nuclear power. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That little thing like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I know Amanda is a amazing success story, but I was hoping that you could share um, maybe a couple other of your favorite success stories from the Right Girl program. Yes. How much time do you have? <laughs> so um, I just mentioned lovely Umayam. She's one. We also have um, Jamila Mena. She is now an attorney and working to help uh, women around the world. She's specifically sort of focused on um equity for women and mm. particularly um, women who are uh, struggling and really don't have the resources they need. So um, she's another, you know, rising star. Uh, there's a lot of them. I think a lot of our alums are not necessarily as famous as Amanda, but they're all doing incredible work. I think we've got, you know, Fahia working in Sweden, also sort of working in the international arena on women's issues. Mm. Um, we have others that are, uh, doing work in their own home communities that have gone away to college and now coming back, you know, the power that they bring with their voice and their passion for wanting to help women in particular is something I didn't expect. I didn't right. really realize that would be an outcome of Right Girl. I thought, well, we're just going to help them build their confidence, write some poetry, get through high school and get into college. And the most exciting thing for me has been seeing our alums wanting to give back, wanting to be in careers that will have a powerful impact on their own communities. And wow, I, 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 I think that's the most amazing thing that Right Girl could ever do is help launch people into powerful careers that actually make a difference in their own communities and in the larger community of the world. Totally. Yeah. And I think it speaks to that you are helping these girls become leaders, right? Not just writers, like they might not enter a profession in which they're writing, but that they're becoming leaders in their own right is very cool. Yes, I love to hear how outspoken they are, how bold they are to stand up to injustice and stand up to authority when needed and, you know, really um, use their voice powerfully to make change and you know, that isn't easy. It's it's not easy to, to lift your voice and speak out and speak up. And as we saw with the Me Too, you know, movement, there's still much more to be done to help people be able to speak out who have been um, suppressed and silenced for a very long time. Um, I, in particular, in the music business, we haven't seen the reckoning that we need to see yet with mm -hmm. women who have been... Um, you know, manipulated and abused and exploited. And I think there's a lot more ahead in various areas of the world. And I, I hope that some of our teens will take on those causes and those missions and, and help, you know, make this a more equitable world for all. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I think you mentioned this briefly, but can you describe how you're expanding um, nationally and internationally outside the Los Angeles area? Yes, for sure. In addition to working with girls in 
LA Girls and Gender Expansive Youth here. We have been, um, of course, it's a silver lining from the pandemic, really. Like we moved all of our programs online for the safety of our membership. And right. now we are continuing online because so many teens have said to us, well, now I can come and I wouldn't be able to do it before because I couldn't get a ride there or I live too far or I'm in Appalachia or Wisconsin or New York. So um, we are now continuing our online programming and matching some of those teens with their very own mentor, sometimes in their region or at least in their time zone. And okay. then we've been expanding internationally as well. So we have girls now in Nigeria and Kenya, Poland, Uruguay that are participating in the program that have really shared with us how meaningful it is for them to have a mentor. You know, they're in places where maybe they don't even have access to some of the programs we have here in America at all. So uh, it's been wonderful to be able to help those young people. And then we've been doing some specific programming for schools in uh, Uganda and Cameroon. So very cool. That's been really wonderful to do, to bring our teaching artists onto the screen and do these workshops. We're struggling with some technology issues. As you can imagine, internet right. is not what it is here. And um, we're helping work through those things. We're looking for a big angel, you know, TNT <laughs> or whoever it is that could come and help really give us the internet needed to be able to make these programs more smooth. Um, but we're working through all those issues and helping them the best we can so that they can really get the most out of the program. And it's been amazing. And I dream of a day when we could bring our girls together from all these different places, you know, to connect with each other, either online or even one day, perhaps in person, because wouldn't it be powerful for teens from Cameroon and Uganda to share their stories with teens here in America? I think that would be amazing. That'd be very cool. I see an upcoming event for a right girl. <laughs> yes. um, how do you deal with like the, the language barrier of some of the um, countries or have you not come across that? Well, we're focusing on reaching out to teens who are already studying in English so mm -hmm. that we're not really um, facing that issue as much because we don't want to try to do something we cannot do. We don't really have a, a, the resources for a lot of translators or uh, a different kind of a program that would really work with all, a lot of languages. Um, so for us, we've kind of narrowed the scope and said, where are, and honestly, there's so many teens that are studying in English in other right. countries that, you know, we just decided to make that our focus so that we could reduce the barriers. And um, uh, in, in Uganda, in Cameroon, in uh, many other places in the world, English is a, an important language that they would like to learn more that would open up other opportunities to them. So um, that's where we're putting our focus. And it's it's working really well. They're, they're actually in Uganda and Cameroon, their English is excellent. They've been getting a really good education in English there and um, they just don't have any programming in creative writing at all. So mm. we're filling a need there in building, again, their confidence, their, um, ability to tap into their memories and make meaning of some of the things that have happened to them. You know, some of the trauma they've experienced as well. We don't necessarily write exclusively about trauma, but we open the door for teens to write about whatever has happened to them. Mm. And sometimes it is very difficult topics and subjects. So uh, we love that we can create a space that would allow teens to feel safe and comfortable to share what they've been going through in their lives. Yeah, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, I always like to close each uh, podcast with giving you the opportunity to let listeners know how they can help Right Girl and where they can find you. 
Oh, that's great. We are at writegirl.org on the web, and we always welcome women writers who would like to contribute to be mentors or help us at our workshops. We also welcome support volunteers that could help behind the scenes with events planning and communications and all kinds of things that we need help with. And of course, if anybody is able to make a donation, we always need financial support. That's really important to continue the work that we're doing and be able to grow. So we welcome donations on our website and um, we'd be grateful for support either in volunteers or um, in financial donations. And if there are teens listening that wanna join, if you're 13 to 18, uh, you're, you're either a teen girl or a gender expansive youth, we welcome you to participate and join. Love that. Well, we always end every episode with some fun rapid fire questions to get to know you better if you are willing. Sure, yes, of course. Awesome. Um, what is your favorite place in the world and be as specific as possible? It'd have to be Japan. I've been there twice. I hope to go back again. I love things all Japanese. <laughs> Very cool. Um, what show are you currently watching? It's called My 19th Life. It's a Korean romance. And it's oh. absolutely fantastic. I'm just <laughs> riveted. I cannot wait for the next episode. <laughs> sounds interesting. Is it on Netflix? Yes, it's on Netflix. I just discovered it and I just absolutely love it. <laughs> They're good with international TV shows. I've found a couple that are pretty good. Yes. And um, the last book that you read? Um, I'm actually, um, oh, that's a struggle right now. Uh, I finished a few and now I can't recall any one of them. I just came back from a writer's conference and um I'm going to flip the question and say the next book I'm going to read is Solito by um, Javier Zamora about his journey coming from El Salvador to America. Oh, very cool. Um, one fun fact about you. I collect rocks. I love rocks of all kinds, quartz, crystals, gems, meteorites. Um, I make jewelry out of rocks and gems and it's a passion. I collect agates on the beach and my sister and I both have bowls of agates in, <laughs> in, our, in our respective homes. <laughs> I love that, that's a cool hobby. And then the last one is your favorite quote. Uh, I think it's the one that I can never, it's a long quote. It's the one about the only change that has come in the world is when a group of like-minded people come together to make that change habit. Is it Margaret Mead? I can't remember the, the person, but it's, you know, it's about communities creating change. And, and that's been a really driving force for me that it isn't only about one person making a difference that you, you need community in order to really affect positive change in the world. I love that. It's very appropriate. Well, thank you, Karen. We appreciate your time and thank you for speaking with me today. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Waves of Change podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Waves of Change POD. If you have a question or recommendations for next guests, email us at wavesofchangepod at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Waves of Change podcast and rate us to help others find us. And if you're feeling extra generous, please share this episode on your social media channels. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.